TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. It's been a while since we last had Ruben Buchart. He is the political and New York editor for Hamodia. So, Ruben, welcome to, to the program. Thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Zev. I'm pleased to be on again with the living legend, Zev Brenner. So, how do you view the election? Was it, Were you surprised, by the way, by the results? I don't think anyone was surprised by the results. I think the polls had it pretty accurate. For the most part, the polls showed Hochul winning. Um, Kathy Hochul, New York governor, winning re-election by uh, something like the uh, mid-single digits, which is what happened. Uh, for the most part, like I said, as the polls showed, I believe throughout the entire election, there were only two polls that showed Zeldin winning each by one point. Uh, most of the polls showed Hochul winning somewhere in the single digits, which, which is what happened. So um, it certainly, I don't think any observer would say they were surprised by the results. Now, the Orthodox community, the way that some of the media reported it, it was almost like a Trump-like sensation where they were going to have all out to go out for Zeldin, which they did. I sensed there was a sense of disappointment. I think a lot of people in the community didn't really believe it was going to happen, that Zeldin was going to lose. Um, I don't um, know why it has to be compared to Trump. There's no question about it that the Orthodox community voted very, very heavily for Zeldin. If you look at some of the numbers in uh, just in Brooklyn, um, there's some uh, precincts in um, Williamsburg that showed 90% for Zeldin, Midwood up to 95, Borough Park up to 97% for Zeldin. So there's no question about it that the, uh, particularly the Haredi community came out very, very strongly for Zeldin. Obviously, they were motivated by this, by the Yeshiva issue, right? The State Board of Regents um, enacted these regulations on the Secular Studies Curriculum of Private Schools in September. Uh, the State Board, the State Education Department um, operates independently of the governor. Um, so Hochul chose sort of not to get involved, right? The Jewish leaders asked her uh, to get involved, to intervene, and she said when she was asked about this by the media and when she was asked about this uh, by the community activists, she said the Board of Education operates independently. It's not my issue. Zeldin, on the other hand, uh, by the way, it is true the Board of Education operates independently, although if the governor chose to use her influence to... Uh, get them to act in a certain way, uh, she probably could have used it. And that's what disappointed the, uh, the Jewish leaders. Uh, Zeldin, on the other hand, came out from day one strongly, repeatedly, over and over again, campaigned in the Orthodox community, said that he'll do everything in his power to stop these regulations. Um, and the Jewish community was really primarily driven by that. They forced it. Remember, they, the Orthodox Jewish community is extremely conservative politically, uh, quite conservative, I should say, politically. Um, there is some variance, but they, uh, at the same time, they understand the realities of living in a liberal New York, and they have gotten along well with Democratic politicians, and they've typically endorsed Democratic incumbents, uh, particularly those that have been friendly toward them um, in, in general elections. Uh, in this case, and by the way, that's particularly true when the Democrats expected to win by large margins, as happened, let's say, with Chuck Schumer and, and, and Tish James and Tom DiNapoli for, uh, you know, U.S. Senator, uh, New York State Attorney General, and uh, New York State Controller. 
Uh, in this case, the Shiva issue was something that made them depart from the norm. Also, in this case, they actually thought Delvin had a chance to win, and it was the closest gubernatorial election since George Pataki in 1994. So, you know, the, the rules all changed here. Uh, many, uh, the vast majority of the endorsers went for Zeldin. Many are abundant who don't make endorsements typically felt that this was a unique situation that came out and made endorsements. So definitely the Jewish community was Laura Park, Midwood. That was definitely Zeldin country in this election. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned about the yeshivas that the governor Hochul was noncommittal, but did I read or when she spoke to the, either the Square Rebbe or the Sopman Rebbe, they had the impression that she was going to do something for the yeshivas? So when Sopman, okay, so the Sopman faction of the River of Iron Titlebaum, they were one of the only two uh, large groups that endorsed Hochul. The other one was Square, as you uh, mentioned. They did put out a letter saying that, that she would be helpful in fighting yeshivas. Of course, we don't know what was said privately. Um, and it, the Sotmer letter actually also mentioned that since most of the Jews were endorsing Zeldin, it was important to have a connection to power in Albany, you know, in case Hoko wins, which is what happened. There are uh, many people who believe, regardless of who they feel should win, that it's important for a Jewish community to always have a connection to whoever's in power and, 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 and not to do things unanimously, uh, because, right, if, if there had been connect, no connection right now, who knows what would happen? So uh, they they um, I, I don't know what was said in private. I I, I do know I wasn't there by the summer of meeting. Um, I don't know what was said. I do know I spoke to other community activists who had meetings with her, and uh, from everything I was told, she basically told them similar to what she told the media. It's not her thing, and she did not want to intervene, and they were not happy with that. Ultimately, on. Um, Shortly before election day, I believe it was the the uh, Wednesday, the, the the Tuesday before election day, one week before it, she did put out a letter, which indicated some support for yeshivas, but they considered it far too tepid, and they ultimately went with Elvin. Now, Governor now Governor Hochul seemed to not have given a lot of interviews and spoken much to the Orthodox media, uh, Congressman Zeldin did. I believe you and Hamadiyah also said that you'd like to see her have done more, and you felt that she was avoiding the Orthodox media for the most part. Yeah, so uh, Governor Hochul gave zero sit-down interviews to the Orthodox media during this campaign. Zeldin, um, when I reached out to them for an interview, they gave me an interview within two days. It wasn't just me. I know uh, pretty much every Orthodox outlet that asked Zeldin for an interview got one. Hoko um, did not. She she made an appearance in Borough Park during the primary campaign, but once she won the primary and they went to the general election season, um, she, to my knowledge, never made a public appearance in any uh, from neighborhood. She did go to meetings with Eskandam, go to events, uh, hold private meetings and such, but you, you didn't see anything like like what you saw with Zeldin, you know, walking down the street, uh, meeting and greeting, holding rallies and that sort of thing. And you know what? She knew that, I think she knew that the people wouldn't support her uh, because of her standards. I think she knew what questions the media was going to ask her. And uh, I guess she didn't want to answer those questions. You know, she did. Uh, if I, I did ask her when she made an appearance at the Benton Borough Park during the primary uh, election and she and she did the primary election campaign, and she told me what she pretty much said whenever anybody else would ask that, 
she operates independent. She gave a general expression of support for yeshivas, but as far as the specific uh, regulation you're talking about, she said the education department operates independently. She definitely uh, did not give any interviews. I think she knew the questions she was going to be asked, and she knew it wouldn't. Uh, it, it would, you know, she knew that the readers of these papers probably would not support her. And now, to be fair, I will point out she gave hardly any interviews to any media at all during this campaign. So it wasn't exclusively with the Orthodox Jews. Uh, Yeshiva World reported that someone from the local campaign actually reached out to them, uh, uh, that saying, would you like to do an interview with the governor? But basically saying it would have to be a fluff piece, no hard questions, and you'd have to clear all the questions beforehand, which they refused. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I suspect the reason they might have done that is that I had been behind the scenes uh, telling the local campaign that if they continually avoid all orthodox interviews, I'm going to just confront her at, at an event and ask her why she's doing that. And I suspect it's possible, of course, I don't know this for sure, they may have been trying desperately to get some orthodox interview in uh, a fluff piece somewhere so that they could avoid these uh, that sort of confrontation. Well, no interviews happened. I did ask her twice and she ignored me both times. Um, this was a, uh, about a, a week before the election. I asked her twice why she's at uh, two different events why she's avoiding Orthodox uh, media, and she avoided it again by not answering the question. Um, like I said, campaigning also, Zeldin really, uh, I mean, look, he knew that his views were similar to the views of the community. He defended the issue very strongly. He had a very tough law and order position, which our, our community also agrees with very much. Um, he's a social conservative. On all these issues, he knew that his views really are in sync with the community, and he campaigned very aggressively. Borough Park, Midwood, Williamsburg, again and again. In fact, on Election Day itself, which is the day when traditionally the candidates go to friendly places to shore up their base and get out the vote, um, where did he choose? One of his very last election stops at Avenue M in Midwood. So he definitely knew. Um, um, which which communities were supporting him? Now certainly now it's been re there's been some blog reports of saying that maybe Governor Hochul might be angry at some of the Jewish Orthodox Jewish groups that didn't support her that supported Zeldin. Do you think there'll be any backlash against some of those groups? So this is something that a lot of people are obviously discussing. And um, nobody knows the answer for certain. There are two schools of thought, right? One school of thought is maybe she'll say, look, you went against me. I won without you. I don't need you. Uh, the other school of thought is that she may say, um, look, I, this community went almost unanimously against me because of this. They're a growing community. Uh, they had really strong turnout because of this issue. It's a bad move politically. To, uh, oppose, to uh, you know, not take the position they want for yeshivas, maybe I should. Remember something, I think this is important also to keep in mind. Um, probably are very, very few voters in New York who actually will cast their ballot based on looking for someone who's going to enforce a curriculum on yeshivas, right? Um, you probably, I, I would guess it's probably under 100 people in the entire state of New York who are saying, I'm basing my vote on who's going to enforce curriculum on yeshivas. You have maybe 100,000 people 
who say, I will base my vote on who's going to leave the yeshivas alone. Politically, it's, it's, it's really, I think um, she may realize that. What's she going to do? We don't know. Uh, I, I will say this, that Rabbi Shor Reisman, Rabbi Shiva Tavarat, he's a rabbi of medicine, he was one of the biggest rabbanim fighting these regulations, and he made a very rare endorsement. He pretty much never makes political endorsements, but he felt this was really important. He felt it was an existential threat to call Israel. And he made a very rare endorsement, and after the election, I spoke to him, and he gave me this quote, we have no regrets, a person has to do what's right, not what's expedient, and then he quotes the verse from the uh, book of Esther, relief and rescue will arise for the Jewish people from elsewhere. So, um, and so he, so, he, so he says there's no regrets, and Avi Sheik, who's an attorney who's uh, advocated for the yeshivas on, uh, on, on these sorts of regulations, he, he gave me a quote also that said, the heightened level of political engagement combined with the elevation of Chinuch as the issue of singular importance to the community will yield benefits. Time will teach that not only is there no shame in voting our values and coming up a bit short, but there's also no harm in it, unquote. So the, the, the answer is time will tell. Who knows? But definitely um, th- those are the various options being discussed of what may or may not happen. Ruben Mohart is our guest. He is the political and a city editor for Hamodia is very much covering the election season, which is finally over. By the way, for the record, I was told by the local people that she was coming on with me, and I should even announce that she's scheduled to come on, but it was never happened. So disappointed, I was in touch with them, and it just, you know, was strung along. I felt I was strung along. I, I do want to point out also when you say that you were strung along, I think that's how the Orthodox media typically felt. In other words, when 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 Hochul's, uh people, and I'm talking about, I had uh, chats with them going back since April when they were asked for interviews. They didn't say straight up, "We're not going to give one," as some other candidates have done. They didn't either completely ignore, as other candidates have done. They kept saying, "Yeah, we're going to do it. We'll do it next week." Just come to Jewish community next week. We'll do it next week. Oh, sorry, it didn't work out. We'll do it next month. Yeah, next week it's going to happen. They kept doing this. No, exactly. That's what I felt. They, they said for sure it's happening. Just it'll be tomorrow, next week, Monday night. This every night gets kept pushed. No, it's not going to work out tonight. Work out another time. So that's how how I felt. Uh, I just felt it was being strung along other candidates. We set dates. By the way, we did, I did reach out to Mondeir Jones, who also never responded, but uh, we did invite him to appear on the air as well. Were you surprised, Ruvain? That Rashmul Kamenetsky, one of leading Gedolim, one of the leading rabbis of our generation, came out and got involved in the race endorsing Lee Zeldin? Right, so Rashmul, uh, 
it also rarely makes endorsements. Um, and Philadelphia, this is the New York race, but obviously this just underscores how important Ziggy Dolan felt this issue was, that you have a, uh, a leading Gadol who rarely makes endorsements, lives in Philadelphia, but he comes out with the letter the day before election day talking about the New York race. So there was, uh, there was definitely a level of interest as borne out by the uh, turnout uh, from the Jewish community here that there, you didn't have before. In fact, in, in Lakewood, uh, I'll tell you some uh, community, people in the Lakewood community told me there actually was a high level of turnout in Lakewood, even though they had nothing to do with it. Uh, education regulation just because the Jewish community is just sort of really motivated uh, over this issue and, and, and there was a massive general get out to vote effort. Of course, um, I, I will tell you that there are many community activists, going back to your question of whether your revenge is going to be taken on the Jewish community now for endorsing the loser, there are many community activists who will tell you that um, as long as people come out and vote in, 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 in strong numbers, the politicians will say, I need to be on your good side. And it doesn't matter who you vote for. If you vote for my opponent, when you come out in strong numbers, that'll show me that if I work with you and you like my policies, next time you'll come out of those strong numbers for me. So um, it, there's definitely a school of thought that says as long as you come out in strong numbers and repeatedly are known as a community that will come out to the voting booth, the politicians will take note of you. They will uh, be attentive to your needs. And even if you vote against them next time, they'll still work with you and just try to get your vote. Uh, I'm sorry, even if you vote against them this time, they'll still work with you and try to get your vote next time around. And you're going to say that because when Mayor Eric Adams became mayor, a large portion of the community during the primary had supported Andrew Yang, and there was talk that the mayor was going to, was angry at those groups that didn't, and there would be some retaliation. As far as I know, and I could be wrong, I don't believe there was any. Uh, well, Mayor Adams... Had, for quite a while, actually, after that Democratic primary, he did express uh, real anger. Um, anger. You might consider betrayal, yes. I don't know if it was just that the Jewish community voted uh, not for him, but also Yang was a newcomer. He had built relationships for years, and he felt this newbie comes along, starts making promises, he never worked with you. He expressed real anger, sense of betrayal uh, for a while. I, I, I have not heard anything one way or the other, about whether the groups that uh, did endorse him, I'm sorry, that did endorse Yang, have been frozen out. I haven't heard that they have been. Uh, I'm not really sure. But, yeah, again, but, but again, Adams did have a very, very large amount of support from the Orthodox community in Crown Heights and Farakaway in uh, Midwood and um, also the uh, Aroni sect of the Sabmer. So he definitely had a large amount of support in the Orthodox community, which Hochul certainly did not have here. We, Simon Stevens yeah, was lost. By the way, I, I, I will point out that with Adams, it was very largely over the Yeshiva issue as well. Adams, early in the campaign, took a stance um, that, 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 that a curriculum should be enforced on the Yeshivas. That is probably the reason why the community leaders who went with Yang early on did so, because he said that he would uh, defend Yeshiva's right to set an independent curriculum. Later on, Adams visited yeshivas, and he said, uh, you know, there's a really good education here. I think that we have to be culturally sensitive and um, allow them to, to, to teach an education as their culture uh, and, and their traditions require. And that's when uh, you saw the other communities who hadn't made endorsements yet 
start making for Adams. Ruben, were you surprised that Assemblyman Stephen Simmerich lost? He was long on the fixture on the political scene and active in the Jewish community. So I think that um, Brooklyn is a real red pocket right now. We know that New York City is really blue, and New York State's really blue, New York City's even more blue, and Brooklyn is very blue. Uh, Staten Island was always considered to be the only real bastion of conservatism in New York City. But, but South Brooklyn really is now. You have, you have very large Orthodox Jewish communities, you have Russian communities, you have Italian communities, and some other, uh, some other communities that are really going Republican now. We know that, um, uh, district, I believe, overlaps a lot with Eno Vernikov's city council district, which, which she won by a very large margin over a conservative Democrat. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it used to be that I think even though there were conservatives in the area, it was just sort of accepted that, hey, this is a Democratic city, and, you know, the local politicians were just going to vote in Democrats and work with them. But I think you're seeing, I don't know, maybe this is a Trump effect, that Trump galvanized them, I'm not sure, but definitely you see in recent years where, where they're saying, um, no, we're going to vote in Republicans. There was, there was a school of thought uh, that Democrats have much more power, and if you're in the minority in Albany, you have no power. So rather than voting in Republicans, why not vote in a Democrat who will work with you? And But we saw in recent elections that that just, um, people are just saying, no, we're going to vote in Republicans. The, the Democrats uh, lost multiple incumbents in the state assembly in Brooklyn. And um, some people say that that was actually the Hoku effect. We don't know this for sure, of course. But but even but Hoku losing such a close race, the fact is, with Zeldin really taking control of the narrative, over crime and Democrats in general being harmed now by the bad economy and with inflation, considering that Democrats are in power in Washington, there is definitely a, uh, uh, people are saying, no one know for certain, of course, that the governor's race, even though Hochul did squeak out a victory, it may have cost them some down-ballot races. Remember, the uh, Democrats also lost some incumbents in some U.S. House races also. Well, Rock and Cali, the Jewish vote. By the way, that this yeah. is, by the way, in an election, the Republicans really underperformed expectations nationally, right? People thought Republicans would take back the House by a solid margin. It looks like they're going to take it back, but purely they may win the Senate by one seat. But this was actually an election that was considered, dis- considered disappointing for Republicans nationally. But in deep blue New York, Republicans actually outperformed the National Republican Party. Absolutely. And by the way, in Rockland County, it hasn't gotten a lot of attention. It has a large Hasidic and religious Orthodox community, and they came out, I believe, in big numbers for Lalo. That helped him in his race. Zev, uh, there's no question about it that that race um, uh, was, a, it was a real stinging embarrassment for the Democrats because it was the... Uh, head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. That's the person who's charged with getting Democrats elected to the House across the country, Sean Patrick Maloney. And that district, Joe Biden won by 10 points in 2020. So he lost to Mike Lawler, a a young assemblyman. And he, there's no question about it, it was a major embarrassment for them. Um, Considering how close the race was, and also considering Maloney's power with top Democrats, he actually got President Biden and former President Clinton to make phone calls for him to try uh, to try to get endorsements. Uh, conversely, 
uh, Lawler um, got, I shouldn't say conversely, I should say by the same token, Lawler got top Republicans to come to District 4 and uh, House uh, Minority Leader, soon to be Speaker probably, Kevin McCarthy, and uh, Minority Deputy came to the District, came to Muncie, and did heavy lobbying for him. This actually was a, 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 a race that took on big national implications, and uh, it was one that, uh, yeah, the Jewish community ultimately came out very strong for Lawler. You know, I interviewed Yossi um, uh, Gestetner, who's, uh, uh, you know, uh, involved in politics in, in, in current events up there in Muncie, and he said something very interesting. Um, Maloney, technically, people may have considered him an incumbent, but remember, he switched districts. He, uh, he moved in, after the redistricting, he moved into this district because this district was safer for him. Uh, it had a wide Biden um, victory in 2020. But by doing that, the, most of the people in the district he hadn't represented previously. Uh, the Jewish community in his new district, he had never represented them before, right? So uh, on the other hand, Waller, uh, who was not an incumbent congressman, he was a sitting assemblyman, but he had represented that very district. So to the Orthodox Jewish voter, it was really Waller who was the incumbent and not Maloney. The uh, Jewish community did not really have anything against Maloney. It wasn't uh, really anything that they had negative on him. But again, Waller was really their incumbent. They generally had a very good relationship with him. And it seems that they turned out pretty strong with the Waller. And uh, they gave him a victory here. Did Maloney do much outreach to the Orthodox community in Rockland County, as far as you know? Again, as far as I know, um, I can't say I know about uh, up in Rockland as much as um, I know about New York City. But as far as I know, by the way, Maloney also uh, refused our request for an interview. Um, I didn't make the biggest deal about it because the people told me straight up it's not going to happen. And that was it. They didn't string us along. Um, you know, it's not about me or any other reporter. I, I think it really just shows when someone refuses interview requests. It shows that they don't want to face the community because they feel that they may not get, um, they may, they, you know, they may not be able to answer the questions to the reader's liking. Uh, Maloney, my understanding is from people that I speak to there, Lawler made big outreach in the community consistently early on. Maloney, at first, earlier on, did not make nearly as much, did not conduct nearly as much outreach. Later on, as the race uh, got into its final weeks, and as he saw. That he um, that he was uh, going to be in a very tight race and maybe going to lose. He did make uh, he did conduct some more outreach in the community. Um, he TEDEC, which is a an organization dedicated uh, Orthodox organization dedicated to prison reform. They were one of the primary uh, reasons the First Step Act got passed by 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 um, in 2018. Uh, they said that Maloney had been very very good to them. And I really worked with them on prison reform. And um, again, they, they said they had nothing against Lawler, but just that Maloney had been really good to them, and they felt that they wanted to support him. And they made a big push with their PAC, spending money for Maloney and trying to get endorsements for him. Uh, ultimately, uh, Maloney, I believe, got the endorsement of uh, New Square. Again, President Biden and, President, and former President Clinton um, had called the Square Reba for Maloney. Um, he got um, the endorsements of uh, Vision It's Muncie, it was, I believe, Maloney did, and uh, Skr. 
Uh, also, um, a bunch of uh, Askarman endorsed Lawler, but uh, overall it's believed that other than New Square, um, a large majority of the Jews went for Lawler. In fact, um, according to numbers compiled by Yossi Gisbetner, again, uh, of OJ Pack, it seems that the Vizzets Monty was roughly split. Um, New Square went heavily for Maloney, Vizzets Monty was roughly split, but otherwise, uh, the Jews really, really went heavily for Lawler. Do we have any and, numbers uh, of how many voted in Rockland or Brooklyn, Borough Park, Flappers? Has that been released yet? Do we know how many were in each area? Uh, there are websites that have it. I don't have it right in front of me, but I can tell you a message that, again, Yassi Stepner from OJPAC sent around last night. Um, in some heavily Orthodox Jewish uh, precincts, uh, voting locations, he said there was one location which had uh, 2,362 uh, Jewish voters out of 2,487. So virtually all the voters were Jewish there. Yeah. And, and uh, Lawler got 89% of the vote. Uh, another another particular location uh, was 83%. Another one was 83%. Another one was 82 Another one was 77 uh, again, I'm not certain that these numbers are cherry-picked. Yes, uh, he was supporting uh, Lawler. But, again, I, I don't think anyone disputes that the Jewish community came out heavily for Lawler. Uh, New Square voted 7.6% um, came out for Lawler. So we're talking about over 92% for Maloney. Uh, although there were some mail-in votes, early votes, and that was before the endorsement came down. After the endorsement came down, but how many votes is how many votes Ruben is New Square? Is it three? New Square had again. I want to credit you. I think it's better. OJ packs these numbers. New Square had uh, two thousand eight hundred seventy-two votes, which is slightly less than there was in twenty twenty. I believe you said in twenty twenty there was something like three thousand and fifty. It's not surprising there'd be a little less now because uh, presidential election always gets more people out to vote. But New Square typically votes like a block. And by the way, regardless of This should be a lesson to everybody. If you vote, if you get out and vote, uh, people pay attention to you. And regardless of who you vote for, uh, for example, the New Square went like 99% for Hillary in 2016. They went like 99% for Trump in 2020. So the uh, point is, when you get out there and vote, people know that you are a community that has to be listened to, and it doesn't matter uh, if you vote against them. If they quite, well, we, we have only a few moments left, Ruben. Let me ask this question. If New Square has about 3,000 votes, is it worth the effort of the President of the United States or Hillary Clinton to invest time for just 3,000 votes? So, uh, not in a governor's race, but in a close congressional race, uh, a race that was expected to be close, 3,000 is big. Remember that. If I'm a candidate and I want to get 3,000 votes, what do I typically have to do? i got to send out 3,000 pieces in the mail, knock on 3,000 doors, shake 3,000 hands, kiss 3,000 babies, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And the One meeting, two people, and you're the right candidate, 3,000 votes just like that. That's a pretty efficient way to get 3,000 votes. So uh, you vote like a block and everybody votes. Uh, the politicians will listen to you. Final question. Chuck Schumer had a Yiddish commercial on TV. I don't think he played it in Jewish media. What do you make of that, where he used Yiddish vocabulary to describe his campaign? It's all right. Uh, I don't have an opinion one way or the other about it. I actually uh, I saw people were sending it around online. It's okay. 
Um, sorry, sorry if this is not the answer you're looking for. I don't really understand. No, no, I understood. I understood. Anyway, Ruben Buchart, the political and also city editor at Hamodia, thank you for joining with us, giving us a little some perspective on the Jewish vote and the recent gubernatorial and other elections here in New York State. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Lanka. Have a good Shabbos. And we're going to be right back. One of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talkline with Zeb Brana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the thetalklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.